Hello and welcome to Podcast Demastered. I'm your host, Ethan Meyer, and I'm joined, as always, by my two very good friends, Wade and Chelsea. And welcome to episode 47 of the podcast. Uh, today on our show, we're going to do a, a news roundup uh, episode where we're kind of just going to be hitting all the... Uh, a lot of the major storylines that have happened since uh, January, and then some, you know, some other stuff that kind of uh, interests us in the entertainment space. You know, anything from like film or games or TV or or anime or whatever. So it's going to be kind of a mixed bag of uh, news stories today. So just kind of, you know, with that being said, I think we should probably just hop into it because we actually have a lot of stuff that has happened <laughs> since January. <laughs> So we're just, mm-hmm. you know, we're almost to, we're almost to the end of the month of, uh, of April here. And yeah, we have, we have messy stories. We have exciting stories. We have, uh, you know, all, all kinds of stuff. So I say we start with the, uh, the messiest <laughs> and Indeed, uh, the messiest and talk the about grossest. the, and talk about the Microsoft, uh, Activision blig- blizzard, uh, acquisition potential acquisition um because i don't know i don't know if we've covered this since our last news roundup that was in december but microsoft has um acquired activision blizzard or you know put money on the table to acquire activision blizzard for i can't remember the exact figure but i think it was like almost like 80 billion dollars which just sounds like made up money um but not only is that like the largest acquisition in gaming, it's also one of the largest acquisitions in U.S. history. So it's got a lot of attention in the uh, in the media. It's got a lot of attention in the government, um, the Federal Trade Commission, senators, uh, basically anyone <laughs> anyone out there is, is looking at this merger. And you know, Activision Blizzard already had. A, a slew of issues uh, within the company from, you know, harassment cases and uh, the leadership, the, the board of directors being corrupt and all kinds of issues even before Microsoft kind of got in there. You know, the whole Bobby Kotick, you know, storyline and all that stuff from most of that was last year and it's kind of taken a back seat now. Um, so where we're at today with this, uh, potential acquisition is a few months ago, a a couple senators, most notably Elizabeth Warren and Bernie Sanders kind of sent a letter to the FTC, the federal trade commission, and basically said, Hey, this needs to be investigated. Uh, we don't think this should go through because the employees at Activision Blizzard are trying to unionize. And it's already a huge company, and then if a bigger company comes in and gobbles them up, those efforts would be most likely squashed or in vain. Um, So that got sent to the FTC, I want to say in February. And then a few weeks ago, this investment group, um, SOC, which I can't remember now what that actually is an acronym for. Anyways, they are a uh, group of shareholders that have stock in Activision Blizzard. Um... They don't have a controlling interest in the company. I want to say what I saw was like less than like 5% um, for these shareholders. But they put out a 
letter to all their shareholders saying to vote against the merger um, for a variety of reasons. One, the big one, is that they they kind of see the the buyout as a as a lowball price because Microsoft is offering like ninety something dollars a share, and because that's market price now because that company has been kind of a shit show for uh, almost two years now. Um, they are saying that the market price before the uh, harassment cases and all the legal stuff came out, you know, that those share prices were like a hundred plus each. So they're saying that Microsoft is essentially lowballing and trying to basically buy at the lowest point of the company. Which, yes, they they <laughs> if that's what your market value is currently, that's kind of what your market value is. Um, you know, you can't say, hey, well, you know, three years ago we were worth $150 a share. That's what you should be paying. Be like, well, sorry, that was three years ago. This is where you're at now. This is what we're paying. Um, they also said that they don't believe that Microsoft would be able to fix the leadership issue, the culture issue. Uh, they also don't think that they would be able to address the, the employees trying to, you know, their unionization efforts. Um, they really just don't like the idea of a, a, a larger corporate entity kind of getting in there and meddling and either meddling or just not doing anything at all. They also uh, are worried that it would cause a shift in competitive marketplace where it would make Microsoft with this merger with Activision Blizzard, which is already a very large company, you know, just based off the price tag, it would make them, you know, sort of monopolistic in the space. Um, so with all those issues, I kind of want to open it up to you guys. Um, do you guys agree or disagree? Let's start with the, uh, let's start with, uh, Elizabeth Warren and Bernie Sanders, uh, issues about Microsoft buying in and basically like crumbling whatever, uh, you know, unionization efforts, you know, do you think, do you think Microsoft would handle that with grace do you think they would ignore it do you think you know how how you know do you guys agree with the senators and those and those concerns or do you think that it's just like a, a nothing story um i think it's i think it's fair to like let let the employees of the company like figure themselves out before such a massive mm -hmm. takeover you know um mm -hmm. because i could see like they're out there fighting for you know, equality and everything else, like, within their own workspace. Um, but then, like, once the buyout happens, they're they're not fighting the same battle anymore. They're not talking to the same people anymore. Um, so it's kind of like... It could be really, like, shell-shocking, I suppose. You know? To, like, change a fight right there in the middle like that. Yeah. I could see why that would be an issue, I suppose. Yeah. Chelsea, what about you? Yeah. Yeah, no, I agree. I think it's something like, you know, I think the employees are obviously a very big and important part of the company. And that should be something that should be considered first. And especially too, like, you know, there's been a lot of stuff going on with these, like this company and kind of like maybe focusing on fixing what's going on first before moving on to something bigger and merging on. Because I just, yeah, it's, I'm not sure how easily those things will be fixed once it's merged. I don't, yeah, it's definitely not an easy, because it's a, 
it's a fight that the employees have been having for better part of a year already and there's been mm-hmm. very slow change most of the people on the board are still there um they're doing these little micro promotions or hirings like they just hired a new like diversity officer to kind of help create a new culture which sure that's that sounds great on paper but that's that also kind of sounds to me like just like some pr shit (laughs) you know what i mean like um yeah it's something that would still take time yeah yeah for me like a any sort of fix from the bottom up is always going to be this like long drug out battle and this ever since this stuff's been happening this company has been a not shipping games not making money whatever they are shipping is is being is tanking because you know employee morale is low people are leaving you know this that and the other so that's part of the reason why their stock price is so bad that's so it's the only thing I, I saw from Microsoft's point of view is that they did say, if this goes through, we would acknowledge whatever uh, union efforts as long as Activision Blizzard uh, acknowledged them. Basically saying, like, we don't really want to get involved with this, but if you guys fix it, we'll, <laughs> we'll, we'll allow it, basically. <laughs> um, hmm. Which is, I think they kind of have to say that at this stage. Because since nothing's final, they can't really start going out there in the press and saying, this is what we're going to do. Because I don't think legally they can even make those sort of uh, claims that they don't actually own the company yet. Um, So, yeah, I just... I personally don't think that the the grassroots stuff is going to fix it in a timely fashion that would actually make activision blizzard what it was you know what i mean i think it i think it might take some external um external involvement to get in there and maybe help clean house a little bit um and that could be microsoft it could be you know let's say this doesn't go through and that's a possibility if someone else wanted to throw down on the table you know i just i don't think as it's it's proven that as it's going as is, there hasn't been any like much, very little trickle down, like uh, positive or trickle up, I guess, <laughs> positive change. <laughs> so, so I think maybe like a, a bigger splash, you know, might be, might be good. It's, it's, it's one of those things where it's like, you know, how much worse can it get kind of thing? So, um, what about the, uh, what are you guys' uh, takes on the uh, investment group basically saying, hey, if you own shares, please vote this down because, you know, of the, of the share price. And I think that's more just them wanting more money. But what do you it's guys think? About of, money. Yeah. What it's do you, always what about do you, money. <laughs> yeah. What do, you, what do you guys think about their claims that it would, the, the, the competitive marketplace shift? Do you guys actually think if Microsoft owned Activision Blizzard, it would make them like any more you know do you think they would make them like a bigger player in the space because right now in sales and hardware and software there's still three compared to nintendo and and sony i Um, mean i'm sure it'll affect them to some degree but i don't think it'll be some huge game changer like 
everybody's going to be spinning on their heads now because Microsoft has everything. I don't think it's going to be like some big whirlwind, you know? Yeah. Chelsea, yeah. Olivia. I mean, I mean, but it could do them some good to have Microsoft helping them out and be like, oh, people are interested in our games again. Helps out the company. It's just, but yeah, no, they're just worried about simply money and just in the immediate moment yeah yeah i i read through that entire uh, investment group's letter that it sent out which god it was boring it was like six pages <laughs> <laughs> Come but there. at the end of it, it, it i mean for the most part it just sounded like um that they were a little sour that hey this you know we own shares in a company that's tanking and now another company wants to buy at bottom dollar and we couldn't we're not making as much money as if, let's say, they tried to buy it two years ago when we were, you know, still making that moolah. So it kind of just sounds to me that it's like, hey, uh, vote this down because potentially we can make more if we wait five years. So I don't think they give a shit about the employee cause. I think it's more just like, let's mm -hmm. try and get as much uh, as much cheddar as we can. <laughs> oh, for sure. So, yeah. Mm -hmm. For sure. Um, so, yeah, it, even... Even when, this, even when the acquisition was announced, Microsoft said that they hope to have this resolved by July of 2023. Um, so it's not like this is going away anytime soon. And with all the eyes on this case, compared to like other smaller acquisitions that have happened, with like when Microsoft bought Bethesda and Zenimax, like no one gave a shit. You know, Sony buying whatever that you know whatever small stuff there you know small potatoes no one gives a shit but this is like this is big even for just corporations sake so it's gonna have a lot of eyes on it a lot of scrutiny um so yeah this is gonna be with us for a while so i'm kind of mm -hmm. curious to see how this mm -hmm. all shakes out um personally i i don't think i really care either way um if Microsoft ends up closing and owns Activision Blizzard, because at the end of the day, like that company's still going to be around in some form or fashion, and those games are still going to come out in some form or fashion, and it's either going to be under Microsoft's banner or their own. So, <laughs> it's it's whatever, you know what I mean? They already said that most of the heavy hitters are not going to be exclusive, anyways. So it. <laughs> At the end of the if, day, from a, from a gamer standpoint, I don't even think it really matters that much. You know what I mean? It, it, like, if you own Game Pass, it's going to be cool because, hey, here's a hundred other games that just are going to drop overnight, you know? And that's that's awesome. But, <laughs> you know, I, I just... It's more... it's more For me, I'm more interested to see what Activision Blizzard looks like in two to five years, you know? Yeah, yeah. From a culture sure. change. Yeah. And, because they do have a lot of really cool IP that's kind of being squandered because it's just poor leadership and and the employees are at this like fuck it stage that they, <laughs> like they just you know what I mean like even their cash cows like World of Warcraft and Call of Duty are like have been tanking recently from bad reviews and bad sales so something needs to change so yeah um moving on. I say we go ahead and talk about since we just got done talking about Microsoft Xbox. Let's go ahead and just talk about uh, Sony here. Yeah. With they finally mm -hmm. announced their 
PlayStation Plus kind of sort of uh, rebrand. Um, you know, that's been it was rumored for a while under the uh, code name Spartacus, where it kind of leaked that Sony was going to take their PlayStation Plus and their PlayStation Now, which was their streaming platform, and kind of merge them into one and create this new, you know, super service. <laughs> the uh, you know the media dubbed it the uh, the Game Pass killer, um, which is stupid for for them to do so. But anyways, it's it's they they came out and they said it's a three tier system. Um, the base tier is essentially just PlayStation Plus as it's always been, um, same price, same. You know you get your your cloud saves, you get your your monthly games, and you get access to uh, you know online services for online play. You know, nothing really changes there. And then the second tier adds the PlayStation Now, where it ha- where it's a streaming catalog of uh, PlayStation Four and PlayStation Five titles. Stream or you know streaming or uh, I think that tier is like most of those games are you can download and play, which yeah. is, which is mm-hmm. how Game Pass does it. And uh, so that's the second tier. I can't remember what it's called. Is it like Plus Essential PlayStation? It's Plus? extra. PlayStation Plus Extra, whatever. Um, <laughs> and then the third tier is... <laughs> extra. Is it Essential? Is the third one Essential or Deluxe or... The first one's Essential and then okay, the yeah, third the fir- one is Premium. Okay, Premium, yeah. So the third tier, mm-hmm. uh, Premium, that gets you, you know, the, play- the, the streaming catalog of PS4 and PS5 games, but then it also adds backwards compatibility games from PlayStation 1, 2, and the PSP, and then it has some PS3 with that are going to be the PS3 games are streaming only. Um, mm-hmm. No announcement on what any of the backwards compatibility games are. Um, there was just kind of like some loose language about like up to an X amount. I think they you know a couple hundred games or whatever for like the the PS4 PS5 catalog, and then it just kind of listed off. We're going to have backwards compatibility. Uh, for older systems um so before we get into what it doesn't have where what are your guys' thoughts on the on the uh on the announcement and the tier system just like as it is first glance um you know what do you guys what do you guys think of it um go ahead chelsea i mean okay I mean, I'm kind of okay with it. I was not expecting anything to be a complete game changer. The one of the things I was really hoping for to see in one of those tiers was, you know, some of that like kind of backwards compatibility, being able to play some of those older games because, you know, I don't have all the old systems anymore and there's definitely some hidden gems on there and I would love to see those like you know, be able to play those now. And so I do appreciate those tiers. I'm also fine that they didn't completely change like what they have now for it. I'm a little bummed because these other tiers are a little more expensive and I kind of wish like the, like the essential tier, the basic one was almost a little bit cheaper to make it a little more of an incentive. Like, oh, you're actually saving money after all this time. But if you spend a little more, then you can get the more advanced ones but it's more like oh you're spending a lot more money to do that yeah yeah with the the pricing was surprising and also kind of like a like a 
a head spin for me when I first saw it because you look at those monthly rates and you're like, wow, this is like the essential is, you know, uh, the same as, you know, like it has, it's always been. But then you start looking at the monthly rates for the other ones and you're like, wow, this is competitively speaking, like it's not that great of a deal. But then Sony was like, oh, well, if you just buy like a year's worth, it's almost like half the price. You know, if you just pay for like a full year, you know, it's like, give us a hundred some on dollars for the, the premium for just like a, 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 you know, a year long subscription, or you can give us 200 something dollars by the end of the year if you pay monthly. So that was actually kind of surprising to me that they did it that way. It's almost, they kind of almost made the monthly rates shitty just to incentivize people to buy for a year, um, which is from a marketing standpoint, that's pretty smart. Um, but yeah, I just I can't see anyone doing the monthly rate unless it's just, just one monthly. of those yeah. unless it's one of those things where it's like, um, let's say they put like a couple cool games on the for for uh, in the PlayStation Now, and it's like, okay, cool, I'm gonna buy for a month, play these games, and then and then you know, and then drop it for the rest of the year or whatever. Um, but for my money, like, oh, actually, yeah, oh. if if I was. If I was in, if I was gonna do this, I think I would just do like a year rate, you know. Yeah, I just calculate that when you said it was a lot cheaper for the year rate, and I was like, okay, for the premium, it ends up being like nine ninety nine a month. Yeah. So, that's actually a really good deal. Yeah, I mean, but yeah, uh, but Xbox, you know, the the premium gold uh, Game Pass is about the same. Yeah, that's what I'm you saying. Know, the like, monthly game- rate's about the same. Yeah, Game Pass, if you do Game Pass Ultimate, which is their top tier, it's 15 a month, which is like 220 or some shit or whatever a year. Um, that gets you access to a lot of stuff, and in my opinion, way more than what the Sony Premium gets you. So that's why I was like, I just don't think those monthly rates are competitive, like at all. Well, um, the rate the rate is competitive, but you're talking about the content, which is not the same thing as the rate. And we don't we don't know what we're really getting though with the premium yet, so it's hard. Well, to let's say. go ahead and talk about what we're not getting with Sony. You're not getting day one launches for first party games, and that's kind of the big um, stickler. You know, that's like the in terms of if we wanted to compare these services, which I don't think they should be compared because they're two different things in my book. Um, Sony not doing day one launches is the biggest like difference from what Game Pass is because Game Pass's biggest selling point is that if it's first party, you're getting a day one on the service. Mm-hmm, um, indeed, Sony is not doing that. You know, Jim Ryan once they came out with it, he had this big announcement. He was talking about how you know we're not going to see that in the near future. Um, he never said, he didn't say that they were never going to do it. He basically just said, we're not doing it right now. Um, he said things can change down the road, so we'll see how long that road is. <laughs> yeah, but they don't really have anything, like, coming up either, though, like, first party-wise, you know? Um, yeah. So they could be like, well, nobody's made a decision, so I can't say yes, we're going to. Yeah. yeah so it's yeah. probably safe for us if I say no, mm-hmm. and then we backtrack later and be like, oh, surprise, yeah. God of War is coming. You know, something like that. Yeah. It could be a thing where it's like two or three years down the road, and it's like, hey, we're doing day one launches, and we got like six games coming out this year. They're all going to be on the service, you know. 
Mm-hmm. So he didn't close the door. It's just you know, it's a jar. It's slightly a jar yeah. at this point. <laughs> but he's he's still being a prat like he is though. So yeah, he basically came out and said the reason why they don't want to do day one launches is because it would affect their development cycle. Um, and it would he he basically said that it would cause the scope of their titles and the funding to be less, um, which would kind of degrade the quality of their premium first party games which if you don't know a lot of sony's first party games cost a stupid amount of money two three four hundred million dollars to develop um (laughs) and if you also don't know sony doesn't have deep pockets like microsoft does to kind of burn through capital taking a loss on that kind of stuff um so that makes sense to me i don't like it as a gamer but as someone who understands like financing, <laughs> that totally makes sense to me that Sony is not going to make the same kind of moves that a Microsoft can do. Um, and honestly, I don't necessarily think they have to either. Um, no, I mean Sony being a, has being a being a market leader for as long as they have, uh, and you know we're in a new generation, so install bases are still underwhelming but the ps4 install base is still like a stupid large it's you know it's massive and they're still releasing titles on ps4 even though they said before the generation started that there will not be any you know if it's a ps5 game you're not gonna play it on ps4 well they've <laughs> they've already backtracked on that so <laughs> well, I, they I had think, to nobody had ps5s so. yeah and i, I yeah. do think that mm-hmm. covid is a huge part of that um oh yeah mm-hmm. yeah um so yeah, that's kind of like the big the big thing there is no day one launches. That was a lot, you know, people were really hoping that they would do that, but I think it was kind of a uh, a fool's hope. I never thought that they mm-hmm. would be able to pull that off. Um, so it didn't really bother me. It was more just kind of like uh, uh, reaffirming something I already kind of assumed <laughs> when that when that was announced. Um, the other thing is that the uh, the PS3 library they haven't. Like I said, they haven't talked about the extent of how deep these backwards compatibility libraries are, but they did say that the PS3 library would be streaming only, and that's mostly because how the PS3 was manufactured and how those games were developed, Mm -hmm. they can't really understand or (laughs) figure out how to make those backwards compatible or forwards compatible, I guess. Um, So they are streaming only. Um... I am curious to see how that goes. Um, I don't know what platform they use on PlayStation Now right for their streaming right now. I want to say, if, um, I want to say it's like Gaikai, Gaikai or Gaika or some shit like that. Um, but anyways, I don't know what the quality is going to be like with the with the streaming stuff. Um, that's kind of just like a wait and see. Uh, for me personally, at the end of the day, I, I don't, it's the, it's not like a huge, it's not a nail in the coffin. It doesn't really bother me. I don't really plan on doing all, I'm not planning on doing the top tier and playing backwards compatible, you know, backwards games for Sony anyways. So, but I can see how that could be an issue for some people in certain markets um, that have, to, you know, if they want to play a bunch of PS3 games, and they have to stream them only. Like that's, that becomes an infrastructure issue and data caps and internet availability and 
the service also for as, as large as Sony is, they also don't have the uh, that infrastructure as many, in, in as many international territories as they probably should. Um, so that also is kind of weird, but. Who's to say what this thing looks like in a couple of years? Um, when Game Pass launched, everyone thought it was fucking crazy and dumb, and it <laughs> seems to be doing pretty all right. So, yeah, I mean, it, it did go through a big renaissance, and now we are where it's at. So, yeah, so we'll we'll, mm-hmm. we'll we'll see with Sony. Um, I'm not overly concerned at all with it. I don't plan on getting it at all. Um, I don't have Plus as it is. I don't even really use my PS4, and I don't have a PS5, and the way it's looking, I probably won't for a while. <laughs> so this, you know, for me personally, this service is just like, yeah, cool. This is like a wait and see. I'll check in on like in two years and see what you and see where you're at. <laughs> so, um, are you guys are you guys planning on are you guys going to be day one adopters? Are you you know do you already have a tier that you're jumping into or or you guys go you guys both gonna do, both do the uh, premium or you know what are you guys doing? Not all at once. I guess I go first. Okay. (laughs) I think for now I'll stick with the essential since I just have plus already and already have that for a while. But I will be very curious to see once they do come up with an actual list of all these games that are going to be on the services. And I probably will eventually in the future get the premium because it ends up, if you like the whole year, it ends up being a really good deal. But as of right now, I'm not really focused on playing it immediately because i have a huge backlog so i want to yeah. focus on that first before i get yeah. back and playing some old school games yeah and if you already have a backlog of stuff you own it's the worst when you get a streaming service and opens up and then oh you just gosh. have a backlog of hundreds because that's where i'm at with game pass and it's awesome but it also sucks <laughs> no i can't do that to myself it's pretty overwhelming so um so yeah wade what about you you um i'm waiting i'm like chelsea i'm waiting to see what what the premium list looks like um yeah you know because like i don't like with the like with the day one stuff i don't really care um if they ever do day one stuff uh Mm because i don't tend to play a lot of the first party sony stuff anyway um and because that stuff will eventually come come to the service eventually like whatever uh but i'm i'm more interested in like the old stuff um and to play some of that old stuff uh, legally, it is quite expensive right now. <laughs> um, like, yeah. my goodness. So if they're like, oh, well, here's like most of the PSP, uh, PSP catalog mm-hmm. for, you know, $15 a month or whatever. Okay. Um, here's yeah. your PS1 and PS2s, which have tremendously huge libraries. Mm-hmm. okay like let's let's do that that's fine that's not an issue with me <laughs> yeah i am curious to see what those um uh, those libraries look like for those um for those old, older generation games because anytime you start doing stuff like that you have to worry about like license licensing stuff that is not first party um and that can <laughs> that can always be tricky <laughs> so so yeah i'm curious to see what those catalogs look like too um i'm also curious if they just do like a huge dump 
or if they're going to do like the Nintendo Switch style where it's just kind of like, hey, here's like eight more games this month and here's 10 more. You know what I mean? Like if they kind of do it that route. It's kind of like build everything up. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. It, yeah, it's exciting um, to see how this all plays out. Um, let's go ahead and move on. We'll stay with Sto- we'll stay with uh, Stone- Sony here. Um, so a couple years ago, they invested... Uh, a pretty large amount into Epic Games. And just like a month ago, they did it again. Another, It was like a billion-dollar investment into Epic. Um, Epic basically stated that they were raising funds to help produce uh, further development on what they consider the metaverse and to create new digital experiences. And I guess that caught Sony's eye, and they doubled down and bought in. Um, interestingly enough, another uh, huge investor was also Lego. <laughs> so, um, is everybody going to be able to become a master builder now? Yeah. In so, hours? it's interesting yes. that it's kind of interesting what Sony's been doing recently. If you look at some of their acquisitions and you look at some of the language around why. You know, they've been buying some of these smaller studios. They've been buying studios that are heavily focused and kind of have cut their teeth on, like, PC development, PC porting. Um, I really think Sony is trying to boost their PC presence. I mean, they've already been doing a lot of re-releases of uh, PS4 games, first party, and, you you know, to put them on PC. Um, When they got Bungie, they basically said, hey, they're still going to be independent, um we kind of just want their their prowess on live service games jim ryan kind of basically said like i think the future is in live service games and not in streaming or you know this that or the other so (laughs) i'm kind of curious to see where sony's at a few years because all that all those words sound awful to me i don't like really any of that shit and the fact that Sony is doubling down and investing heavily in that sort of uh, rhetoric is not at all the direction I want them to take. I don't want Sony games to be live service. I don't want that to be a huge emphasis. I don't want them to have this, uh, um, you know, everyone has to have a metaverse, uh, you know, plan once anyone figures out what that actually is. Because... Um, I don't think anyone knows what it is, but everyone's throwing money around like they do. So, <laughs> um, so what do, what do you uh, what are your guys' takes on the uh, on Sony kind of doubling down on these on these endeavors? I just want everybody to stay in their lane, so I can play video games that aren't a hundred dollars a piece. <laughs> <laughs> that's yeah that's for me that's it it's like can we can we just not can we just stick to doing the things that we love and stop trying to get the quick the quick penny on the new thing like like the same with nfts let's not make a 10-year plan to include nfts in every single video game from now on because Mm -hmm. some some idiot online said that this was a worthwhile thing yeah yeah, I agree. I I just for one 
Sony and their first party catalog and the way that they develop their games and the experiences that they try and curate are not conducive to live service. Like at all. I don't see a, a Last of Us Part 3 <laughs> being a live service game. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like I don't want to think about that, no. <laughs> but the fact that a lot of the studios that they have are supposedly working on a lot more multiplayer-focused games. Like, even Naughty Dog is working on some big mm-hmm. multiplayer project. I don't... That stuff bothers me, because I love... I think Sony has some of the best talent in development in-house. Some Their first-party studios are at the top of their game. Stuff like Insomniac and Naughty Dog and, and Sony Santa Monica, like... And the fact that I don't want them to be relegated to trying to chase trends. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, I don't want these like corporate initiatives trickling down to these studios and being like, hey, I know you're working on this like really cool narrative adventure, but what if you, you know, this is this is just like the new generation loot box. You know what I mean? That's what it, that's what it rings to me. Like. Last generation, every studio had to figure out a way to incorporate microtransactions and loot boxes and all this other stupid shit. These live service games and these and NFTs and the idea that we want this game to be uh, something that you play for years on end instead of just like these one-off experiences. That's not why I like Sony. <laughs> you know, I I don't I don't want that for that company at all. Leave that shit to the third party. You know, people, your Ubisofts and whatnot, if they want to make that nonsense, fine. But I don't want, I just don't want Sony to <laughs> to chase these, like, trends that, in my opinion, are not working. You know, outside Destiny, what's another live service game that's a success? Anthem almost ruined a whole studio. And then fucking Marvel's Avengers is just, like, struggling to be relevant. Like... Where even Square Enix basically came out and were like, hey, we probably shouldn't have hired Crystal Dynamics to make a live service game since they've never done it before. <laughs> and you, so. could probably, you could probably include all the Battle Royale games and stuff like that in the live service-y kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Because they're besides, like ongoing. Yeah. yeah, and besides Fortnite, the others, like Warzone has a plethora of issues with more with cheating because it's cross-play like they have they and they're you know it's activision blizzard so they have just development issues across the map i don't is PUBG even a thing anymore i've ne- i don't hear anyone talk about it ever um yeah, i don't really no, know not really and not, and not and, for, and fortnite is like it's like half game half you know the the the, the new like second life <laughs> you know what i mean like th- this shit has like concerts in it they did like these like weird like galleries where you just like walk around like digital museums mm-hmm. and shit like they do all kinds of just like weird events and stuff which you know fine it's cool it works for that game but i don't think you can take that and just like rip it from fortnite and drop it in a fucking sony game you know what i mean like that just <laughs> it just doesn't make sense to me um so yeah i i I don't know i don't know i kind of have mixed feelings on it because 
I definitely love Sony and I like their games for their, you know, single player experience. They're really rich storytelling, wonderful worlds and everything. But I think if some of those studios are actually wanting to explore something different, but at least not losing like the, the core of their studio, like actually bringing up Fortnite is actually a pretty interesting example from how it just like what it originally started out as and what it's become not that everybody should copy you know like you said the exact formula of what Fortnite's doing but that they put something they put their own spin on it and so i think some of these studios like we've said are very talented and what they bring if they could bring something to a live service game i'd be willing to give it a try but as long as they don't give up what they've already done and continue doing what they've been doing yeah yeah, Fortnite is probably the only successful example of someone who chased a trend and then, like, you know, excelled at building upon it. Because they literally were just like this, you know, like a, a wave-based survival game. And then PUBG blew up, and they're like, hey, uh, we should probably copy that. <laughs> and they did, and then they already had their gaming elements of building, and they're just like, hey, you guys like Battle Royales? Let's, let's make a Battle Royale. And then they've kind of taken on that crown, you know, and they're kind of the battle royale, you know, like and so many people mm-hmm. try chasing that trend and none of them are around anymore. And if they are around, they're, they're on the verge of relevance, you know? So that's kind of the problem I have with like any of these like major companies that see these trends. Cause a lot of these people who are making decisions are not, <laughs> are not gamers and not always on the, uh, not only on like on the precipice of what we actually like what the community is actually looking for in an experience (laughs) so they're like oh hey people like fortnite let's try and do that and it's just like no we want you to keep doing the shit you're doing and we want them to keep doing the shit they're doing and just you know like wade was saying earlier why just stay in their lane and do what they're good at like nintendo yeah i don't like nintendo (laughs) i don't want these these studios to like water down their their talent pools to do something that they're not built for you know so i don't know um sticking with the uh the the uh the studio talk um do you guys are you guys familiar with the studio the initiative nope okay no so a couple years ago when microsoft first announced that they were building up all these, uh, or, you know, buying all these, you know, studios and their, like, main acquisition. They, you know, they they bought Ninja Theory and Double Fine and, you know, this, that, and the other. The Initiative was a studio that they built from the ground up in Santa Monica. And it was going to be their, like, AAA house, you know. And it got all this, they started hiring talent from you know, Naughty Dog and Sony Santa Monica and, you know, all these other, like, prestigious studios came to the initiative. And then some time went by and they announced that the initiative was developing a Perfect Dark uh, remake, reimagining, you know, whatever. So recently, the initiative, uh, you know, or Microsoft came out and said, hey, Crystal Dynamics is coming in to co-develop. Um, to kind of help oversee the development on Perfect Dark. And 
the core members of the studio initially from the initiative did not like the idea of another studio coming in and basically saying, hey, this is what you guys need to do. This is how you need to do it. So most of them left. Uh, even the co-head of the studio has left. And there's a huge exodus of employees leaving that company just because another company came in. I mean, if you imagine you're sitting there doing this project that you've been working on for two, three years, and all of a sudden this other studio is brought in because they know better than you, and they're telling you how to do all these things differently, and you, all the work you worked on is being scrapped. And So I understand. I get it. Um, but now that studio is like in turmoil. That game's up in the air. Like No one knows what the fuck's going on over there. Um, Crystal Dynamics is basically just like developing Perfect Dark now, <laughs> like solely because no one even knows what the initiative is anymore. So it's not a it's not a it's not a great first showing for a brand new studio for uh, Microsoft. Um, in that same in that same kind of uh, that same kind of light. Two other studios, or I guess one studio that Microsoft acquired, Undead Labs, which makes State of Decay, they've been coming out recently with all these harassment issues and inappropriate behavior, and you know people have been complaining. Some people have left. Uh, production of State of Decay three has been like not delayed, but like slowed and halted because of creative differences and this, that, and the other. So there's issues going on there. The indie studio, uh, Phenomena, which is not owned by Microsoft. It's just an indie studio. There were claims coming out about that, um, that the head, Robin Heinke, or Hineke, that she was making inappropriate comments to her employees and, you know, stuff about, like, anything from, like, talking about, like, their sex life and all this other shit. Like, so, last I heard, that studio is probably going to shut like shut down um they haven't shipped anything in a while and it's just not making money and now that the studio head is like under all this scrutiny and fire it's probably just gonna close unless someone steps in uh high moon studios which makes ori in the blind forest and ori will the wisps um there's been people coming out complaining about them and the the head the the heads of the studio being you know misogynistic and harassing employees and you know this that and the other so i guess what i'm saying is activision blizzard's not the only studio out there with problems <laughs> this is like a a widespread issue that is i think i think what with uh with what blizzard has been going through and how so many people are coming out and speaking out against it i think is empowering more employees across these other studios to be like, hey, I'm gonna stand up and like let the let the world know that the people like this studio's got some shit going on, you know, that they need to know about. I think it's They're just not like alone. Yeah, I think it's I think a, this is gonna continue because this industry has had these issues f almost for its entire existence. Um and I think it's you're just gonna keep seeing more and more studios. I mean, there's shit with Quantic Dream. Um there's stuff with Ubisoft. In fact, I just saw today that um, it's rumored that Ubisoft is looking for a buyer. Um, so, yeah. so, because there's just like lack of leadership and direction and no one really knows what the fuck's going on anymore. 
so yeah um just a lot of crazy stuff that's not it's not shocking but it's just it's just a continued like disappointment you know it's just like man i I really wish we can clean this shit up there needs to be some accountability there needs to be like an oversight committee Mm -hmm. Uh, now more than ever like this industry needs unionization to help with this shit um so yeah it's just it's just concerning um all right um let's do some positive let's jump into a positive story here this is this is this is for you guys um so at the 20th anniversary event for kingdom hearts kingdom hearts 4 was announced um it was also announced that it was going to be developed on unreal engine 5 which was also just kind of announced and shown off i think like a week prior Mm -hmm. um so not a whole lot is known um i'm kind of just pulling from the stories that i saw and from the press release from square enix that uh you know they said uh or i can't remember the guy's name you guys would probably know more than than me but he dropped the the new saga so i guess there's a potential that there's going to be more than four like it you're maybe like a four five and six maybe another trilogy yeah um yeah. He was talking about he was talk he was discussing like the realistic setting and like the potential of like a hub world and uh, people were pulling stuff from the trailer whatever nitpick things they can see and you know there's potentials of like a Star Wars world <laughs> and um, so since you guys are the Kingdom Hearts aficionados I kind of want you guys to just kind of gush about this and, and kind of give me your guys' takes and what you guys think <laughs> are you excited about it are you concerned are you just you know what what's your like wish list for this game you know where, where's your where are you guys heads at um so i don't know like i just i watched the trailer like five times um it's just so like everything just looked so good but also like really different at the same time because like this is not the kingdom hearts like look that we're used to so it's it's just weird to see Sora like in a realistic setting because that's just not the art style you know that he is and he's and it's different because of where he's at not because they're like mm-hmm. not because they're like oh all the graphics have to get better so he has to he has to look different which I guess I mean technically you could note that as a as a reason but um, like his old his old design will come back eventually because he'll return i suppose so yeah i kept seeing the i kept seeing stuff on twitter about how he has normal feet now (laughs) or whatever (laughs) sora's always been known for his big ass shoes yeah um but you you see like you see sora without shoes for the first time ever in the trailer so i don't know if people are actually expecting his actual feet to like be giant if nobody else's <laughs> in the games ever are either so um i yeah. think it's just weird to see him without big shoes yeah yeah you you talk about the no, uh, I mean... the the look and everything i thought it was interesting that the uh the the, de- the demo or whatever you want to call it the showpiece was actually built on unreal engine 4 so if they're going for like a, a more realistic setting and they're building it on 5 like that shit's just going to be amped up to 11 when you actually see the game so and like with the realism stuff like it's really weird i don't know 
I really don't know what's going to happen because this is the the way that the game exists, like in the story. Um, so essentially, at the end of Kingdom Hearts three, Sora's dead. He he's gone. He's spoiler. I think he'll be okay. Um, I think now I don't now now I'm not too late now. <laughs> so yeah, the three he dies. You know he he basically just gives up his existence and he has to die. Um, but he awakens in this place that is like the other side of reality. Mm-hmm. So like we've already we've more or less been told that there's not going to be uh, like Disney worlds. Because, because Sora exists on the other side of their reality, you know, so it's like the land of fiction, kind of. Does Sora exist in the metaverse? <laughs> Maybe we're about to find out. Yeah. <laughs> so, so people are theorizing, like, oh, are we going to see, like, the more live action-y, um, products of Disney, like Star Wars and Marvel and and all that stuff. I don't I I don't quite think so, but um Kingdom Hearts fans are going to freak out about anything that they possibly can. Um and yeah. we have a long time to mm-hmm. wait, so, you know, just let them freak out, I guess. Yeah, you're going to have plenty of time to theorize for the next 4 to 7 years. <laughs> it's not going to take yeah, that at long. At least. <laughs> Chelsea, what's your well, initial reaction before we uh before we take a break here? <sighs> Yeah, no, I enjoyed it. I thought it looked really great. I liked, and I mean, I wasn't very surprised by it. Like, I was like, or, you know, and it's like, oh, cool. They're, you know, this at least point that they're teasing for this game. It has that more realistic style and everything. And I'm just like, I don't know why people are so stuck on the idea that it's going to be super realistic the whole game. Because we've seen Sora go to many different worlds and take on that style. But, you know... The game could have a more realistic style all around, and we may see fewer Disney properties coming into this game. Who knows? But I'm it's Kingdom Hearts. I'm ready for it. I'm looking forward to any news about the game, and I'll be there day one for it. So yeah, it can count on me to buy it. <laughs> it would actually be interesting to me if they did do a thing where like each different world he went to was like a vastly different like art style, and like like maybe you go to one and it's like a two D. 2d world or whatever it's like 8-bit you know and then he goes to one and it's cartoony again and he's got like a super like photorealistic one like maybe instead of doing like disney different disney worlds they're doing like different uh like style and like animation you know worlds i don't know i don't know maybe this new saga it will be the one that pulls me in we'll see Well, it's not going to get any less convoluted, so have fun. Yeah, that, that's I'm, I'm fine with that. I play <laughs> that's me- for sure. I play Metal Gear. I can handle nonsense like that. So, <laughs> um, but yeah, I was I was I was glad to see uh, a four announced more for your guys' sake because you know it's it's not my thing, but there's a huge fan base out there, and I know that people are going to pick it apart for for a while. So happy for you guys. I don't know what I don't know what your fan base is called. Heart, are you guys like like? What are Kingdom Heart fans? Hardies, heart, heart attacks. There's no, name. There's, no, there's no name for it. We're, All right, no, we'll, we're we'll workshop that. We'll workshop yeah. that. All right, I say we take a quick break and then we will come back and do a couple more big big storylines and then we'll kind of just do like a rapid fire of some of the smaller stuff and uh, and uh, 
and then call it. So stick around. We'll be uh, we'll be right back. All right, welcome back, everybody. We're going to uh, switch away from gaming news and kind of jump into the uh, film scene here. Um, we're going to start off with uh, this Warner Brothers story that kind of came through a couple weeks ago. Um, so Warner Brothers came out and said that they're sort of weighing their decision to greenlight any sequels within the uh, Fantastic Beast uh, Wizarding World uh, series. Um, if you don't know, it was projected to have five films, and they just released the third one uh, this past Friday, if I'm, if I'm right. Um, so this series has had a lot of, uh, <laughs> uh, criticism, not only for just the films itself, uh, what they're doing with characters and storylines and, and, you know, all that shit, but, you know, the, the casting of, you know, having Johnny Depp in it and then having JK Rowling as, as a writer and all her nonsense. And then now there's all this, uh, you know, controversy with Ezra Miller, who apparently can't stay out of bar fights in Hawaii. With women. With women. So he's mm-hmm. he's kind of in hot water for like the third time. Um, that boy just needs a hug, damn. Yeah, that, that boy needs some something. A, a, a boot in his ass and some Also, yes. <laughs> so, but anyways... Um, they're kind of they're kind of waiting they're kind of taking a wait and see approach with this third film. Um, they brought in Steve Cloves to kind of help with the uh, screenplay because the first two films were exclusively written by uh, J.K. Um, so they brought in Steve Cloves to kind of help tidy up this screenplay. Um, if you don't know, Steve Cloves did the screenplays for the original Harry Potter film franchise. Um, so he you know he has he's familiar with the uh, that world i guess so with that being said wade you've actually seen the film um have you what is your take on it compared to the uh, previous two do you think this series has legs or do you think that they kind of just need to you know tuck their tail and just like and and leave it (laughs) man so after this movie there's there's supposed to be two more Mm -hmm. um (laughs) I, I'm not sure what... I can see there being one more. Um, because this movie wraps up a lot of the plot. Um, which I was rather surprised about. Because it's, you know, the middle movie. But it yeah. wrapped up a lot of stuff. So either they were like... They're going to like have to jump into something. Like there's going to have to introduce a lot of stuff in the next one. To help like prepare for the ending of the fifth one. Or what. But with things on the line now um i really think it would be in their best interest to prepare for one final movie um and to call things a day after that yeah um did you notice any change did you notice any change in just like the the film itself from the previous two because crimes of grindelwald was kind of a convoluted mess of a film Um, um do you do you did you notice any like change in storytelling with it having a uh uh, an added writer to kind of help clean things up well okay so i i read in some reviews beforehand 
that this movie was just as convoluted and like confusing plot wise like they'd go over here and then they'd go over here and it didn't really seem why they were doing that mm-hmm. and then like the movie ended um i didn't i didn't get that at all like any of that i i mean the movie the movie starts like right where the second movie leaves off um and they get they go straight into the plot there's not a lot of sitting around in this movie um it's thing to thing to thing to thing to thing now they don't always tell you why exactly they're going to do this thing right now but you find out by the time it's done but that also has plot relevance too um which they they say like before these things start happening they're like well we have to do like we have plans but like our plans have to have plans and secrets and stuff too because what it is is that grindelwald he gets a way to kind of like see glimpses of the future. So they have to kind of like be intuitive of that. Well, he can see what's coming, but we have to be very flexible in like how our plans actually get carried out so that he doesn't know exactly what happens and stuff. Mm -hmm. But as I said, like it kind of goes from place to place and it's, to me, it was very smooth. Like the movie ended and I was like, Oh, okay. Like, that all seemed very natural, like progression wise. Right. Um How was the recasting of because uh, they got rid of Johnny Depp and they and mm-hmm. cast uh Mads Mickelson in his place. How how did that play? Okay, so he played Grindelwald really well. Yeah. I feel like because mm-hmm. in each of the three movies we've had we've had a different actor for each movie. Um but really I think when we look back on this film series um i think that will be like a a thing people will talk about because like the role that grindelwald has played in each movie has kind of been different um like he's a different person like in the first movie he was literally not himself you know he was he was Mm -hmm. hiding as a different person and in two he was like oh i'm kind of hidden but kind of explaining my my idealism behind all of these things and in three he's like no i'm an active member of this world and i'm gonna gain some power kind of thing um and each of the actors have really added a lot to it but this new one um he takes his approaches grindelwald as far as like the villain very like this political villain very seriously but they they also go very uh, well a lot more in depth than anything ever has before like with the relationship between grindelwald and dumbledore Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. um and jude law and the new actor they really they really sell that like it's really good yeah that's good i really like uh i really like uh mads and pretty much anything he does i just think he's a a brilliant actor yeah um he was he was so good. good yeah so that's good to hear um yeah, I'm curious. Um, I haven't seen uh, I haven't seen box office receipts, but f- as of now, but I think early early projections were saying that uh, Sonic Two was doing like way better than Fantastic Beasts. So I think there was also there's just a, a lot more uh, excitement for that film than this series. I think a lot of people are kind of just already even fans of this series are already kind of tired of this series so 
well i don't if the I fans don't think are it's the series though well, I no, think no, it's no. everything surrounding the series. Yeah, it's just yeah, yeah. everybody out. Yeah. So, like, if if your anticipation is already middling from, like, the people who already like this stuff, I don't see a whole lot of casuals um, walking in and watching this movie over whatever else is out there. So I'm kind of curious. I want to know what Warner Brothers' actual threshold is that, that, <laughs> that you know, what their decision-making threshold is. Be like, oh, does it have to reach you know this amount of box mm-hmm. office returns before we green light something does it have or is it something like oh well we need like this amount of you know like are they doing it by ratings are they doing it by money you know i'm kind of curious to see uh, you know how they approach this um so it should be interesting. i mean like if if they don't finish it if they can't push through and give them one more movie it's going to be a problem. <laughs> like the stuff that like the, this movie leaves off with, like as far as all the characters go, like, uh, like that last like 45 minutes of the movie is just a lot of emotion. Yeah. There's a lot of stuff mm-hmm. happening with all the characters. And like, while a lot of stuff, like a lot of like world plot stuff gets resolved. Um, not all of the character stuff does. Gotcha. And we know, like, we know that Dumbledore and Grindelwald still have to fight. Like, Grindelwald still has to be stopped kind of thing. Um, And that's kind of like, at the end of this movie, that's like the thing at the end of this movie. So to stop at that point would be awful. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, it wouldn't be the first time that, you know, series are or killed before they, you know, can finish. It happens in film, happens in TV, you know, happens in gaming. So mm-hmm. it's definitely in the realm of possibility. Um, I'm curious to see also what they do with Ezra Miller, because for my money, I think he should just be fucking replaced. Uh, you know, if they're going to replace Johnny Depp, they might as well replace him too. Um, I so. can't respond without spoilers, so... Well, if he's dead, then it's, I guess it's fine. Um <laughs> I just think that that dude, like, and this kind of goes to, like, Warner Brother at large, like, even his, like, DC presence. Like, I think they just need to, like, cut that dude out of their, like, system and, like, move away from him. Because he's, like, a fucking PR cancer until he gets his shit together. Like, I don't think he needs to be running around as the Flash. <laughs> you know what I mean? So. And isn't, isn't that movie in post-production now? Yeah, I'm pretty sure it's still slated to come out this year, I think. I know I I do know that Warner Brothers announced a while back that, that a lot of their DC films uh, release dates like shifted. Um, I can't remember how much though. A lot of them got pushed the next year. Um, I don't know if Flash was one of them. Um, but yeah, it's I mean it's done filming. I know that. Like most of them are done filming. I, I'm pretty sure Aquaman's been done filming and uh, Flash and I think uh, Shazam is done filming so Fur- the fury of the gods or whatever and i think black adam is done filming too so oh that one's been done filming i think that's the yeah. next one yeah. that comes out isn't it i don't know like i said they shifted around a lot of their their dc oh. slate and i can't remember what's coming out this year um so yeah uh, since he has a huge dc presence and he's he's in that warner brothers pipeline i think they just kind of need to walk away from this guy at this point um uh so let's move away from dc and and kind of jump into uh marvel stuff here 
they Marvel Studios kind of just did like a shadow drop for the uh, for Thor. They dropped the uh, teaser trailer for Thor: Love and Thunder, and so, you know put out the release date of July eighth. Um, what'd you guys think of the uh, the trailer? For a teaser trailer, I liked it. Yeah, had had some laughs in it. Chelsea, you uh, seem to have a different oh. opinion. <laughs> yeah, sorry. It just looked like a hot mess to me. I'm just like, it looked bad. And I was, I had high expectations for it. I was hoping it was just going to be like a fun ride, just laughs and everything. Which who knows, maybe the movie is. But that trailer gave me the opposite impression. I mean, there was like zero yeah. context in every single scene that we saw i think it was just a lot of stuff like pasted together you know um so i'll wait for like the first like actual yeah the first actual trailer my concern that when i saw it is less i have less worry about storyline besides the fact that it's just another thor trying to find himself adventure which is just like how many fucking times does thor need to find himself before you actually like settle well Um, you know the the last directors they murdered all of thor's people well it's the same director as the last one so no not thor (laughs) i mean endgame in infinity war (laughs) they killed all of his people so you know he's got to find something now i mean it'd be kind of weird if he just said hi everybody and then like pretended like none of that traumatic crap ever happened to him so yeah i feel like a lot of that was also kind of talked about in endgame but anyways i am my concern my concern isn't thanos my concern isn't storyline my concern is just that film does just from a look standpoint does not look good um i don't Mm -hmm. know how early it is um a lot of times studios like a marvel uh, and like bigger, you know, they don't put out footage that's unfinished. Um, but just the look of it, just you know, Ragnarok had a it had a style to it that was kind of different for its time, but it didn't bother mm-hmm. me. Love and Thunder has a look to it that just looks so fucking cheese and overtly eighties aesthetics that I'm just I'm so fucking over it. It looks not good at all. <laughs> like, the yeah. poster even looks awful. Um, so that's, like, my... That was my concern, is, like, I watched it, and just, like... I really like Taika Waititi as a director. Um, mm-hmm. He's done really good stuff in film and in TV. I mean, he does stuff for Star Wars. He's directed, like, Mandalorian episodes. And like, I just really like his, like, touch. I think he's kind of going the wrong direction, in my opinion, for Love and Thunder. And I think he's leaning a little too hard in, in the, like, the, the goofiness. And I'm afraid he's going to leave what I actually liked about Ragnarok kind of behind. Um, so, I don't know. Like I said, teaser trailers for Marvel are usually bad. Um, at least they have been for the last few years. I think I don't think I've seen a, a teaser trailer for any of their ma- major releases that I was like, oh wow, this looks good. Uh, most of them are p- pretty shit. Um, so I, I want to reserve judgment, but it, if I'm being honest, it does lessen my already tempered <laughs> excitement for it. 
Um, <laughs> so, but yeah, like Wade was saying, we have no idea contextually what the film's actually about, what he's doing. Um, you know, we haven't seen anything with Christian Bale and as Gore the God Butcher. Like, there's a potential this film still has like a pretty like yeah. interesting storyline and some some darker corners that it touches on. Um, well, so. I mean, if if it stays even close to kind of true about the God Butcher story, yeah, this is gonna get gross. Yeah. So. Um, because I mean, it's it's interesting. I mean, they did show that they're like in Olympia. Yeah. You know. Um, and which, murders, which is also like all of them. So. Which that that like little like flash was like one of the worst looking things. <laughs> it's like that shot of Olympia. I'm like Jesus Christ, and like you could definitely tell like Russell Crowe was like catching like a what looked like a plastic thunderbolt. I'm just like Jesus Christ, this looks so fucking dumb. Um, but anyways, like I said, gotta reserve expectations with that stuff. Um, but it, I don't think it it was a good first showing um youtube would say otherwise it had like what like the second or third largest viewer count in like a 24-hour period or something like that so obviously people are excited about it um and i hope it's good i want it to be good but i didn't like that trailer at all <laughs> i watched it once and i was like nah i never want to see this again <laughs> so um some other uh, Marvel stuff, not necessarily MCU, but I guess Sony uh, Marvel stuff. Uh, Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse release dates. Um, part one mm -hmm. is June 2nd, 2023. Part two is March 29th, 2024. Um, Very they sad. Also, they also announced... Yeah, they pushed it back. Yeah, yeah. Th yeah, those were delayed. Those were delayed mm -hmm. a year. Um, they also announced some casting for the uh, Madam Spider film that they're doing. Mm, um Dakota uh, Dakota <laughs> Dakota Johnson, right? Yeah. Yeah. She's oh, playing yeah. she's playing she's like the, the the lead and then they also announced uh Sydney Sweeney, I think is in it. She just got cast in it. She's from Euphoria, if you don't know, but anyways, I don't know anything about Madam mm. Spider or any of that shit. Um, but it it just shows that like Sony is like doubling down on their Spider Verse and trying to like flesh it out and make all these different films and you know, just, whatnot and whatnot. So I just I don't understand Sony. I want to. Yeah. But I don't because. Yeah. <laughs> why, Madam Web? Why? Yeah, Madam Web. Why I said not? Madam Spider. Because... Whatever. Mm -hmm. I don't know. Just. Uh, her first iteration is an old blind lady who can see, well, the future, but then expands into, like, the multiverse because spider totems. <laughs> and then this, and then she dies, and Julia Carpenter, I think her name is, takes over. So she can, like, kind of do the same thing, but she's, like, a young woman, so she can, like, kind of kick butt, except she's also blind now because yeah, that's man, like i don't know i don't i just <sighs> <laughs> why do they hate the fans of spider-man why I does sony hate everything out of all of sony's uh divisions i think their film division has like the loosest understanding of their community <laughs> Like th Besides there was into the Spider Verse. 
except for Into the Spider Verse, that can stay forever. That's fine. They can make a hundred of those. I, that's fine. And I think that was more just Phil Lord and Chris Miller or whatever doing a good job over like yes. Sony really understanding. Oh yeah, the animation. Want. That yeah. was yeah. well. You bet they're gonna meddle now though. Now that it made a bajillion dollars. Yeah, but like sure. they they did release like there was like uh, set photos of Craven. Yeah, which I still um, don't like that casting, but that's whatever. I now that I like saw him, I was like, he looks he looks like Craven. Like beforehand, I was like gross. Um, but I saw like you know you see like you see him like not like in the Craven outfit because that yeah, probably yeah. won't be a thing for a long time. But you just kind of see him physically as Craven, and I was like. Yeah. I can see it. Every time like, I just, every time I see that actor, I just think kick ass, and I'm just like, I can't imagine this guy being crazy. <laughs> <laughs> so, it's just it's uh, so weird to me. And like, just all of these Spider-Man villain movies that are without not Spider-Man, I just it was. I not... don't know. I don't know what what do they want. What do they want out of this? Like, even the people they're choosing, it's like, these characters that you're choosing, like, do you think they're going to get you a million dollars? Do you think Madam Web is going to make more than $75 at the box office? You're dumb. <laughs> like, they could have made a Spider-Gwen live-action movie, which mm-hmm. I would probably honestly feel the same way about. But at the very least, like, it would still... It would have, like, legs, you know, from the Spider-Verse movie. People yeah. would be like, oh my god, Spider-Verse, I, or uh, Spider-Gwen, I want to see that. Yeah. But, like, even people who read the comics are like, wait, who's Madam Web? Yeah. Yeah, uh, I don't know, man. All, uh, none of that stuff interests me. Um, I like Across the, or Into the Spider-Verse, and I'll watch Across the Spider-Verse, but, like, all that other Spider-Man shit, like, and all that Venom movies, and Morbius, and, like... I can tell from a mile away those movies are fucking bad even before they come out. So I just <laughs> like I don't. I, I like the Venom movies. Like, I, I did I, like I, the Venom ones, but because Venom can like be a character on his own. Yeah. But mm-hmm. like these other villains, the, these other people, it's like, no. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah for sure. So yeah, that's uh, that's Sony's uh, superhero slate they got going on. Um, uh, I guess well, back to Warner Brothers. They uh, announced that they want to do a live action uh, Minecraft film, and they want Jason Momoa uh, to star, rumored to play Steve. If you're familiar with uh, Minecraft lore, <laughs> so. what what kind of dirt do they have on him? I don't, I don't, I don't know. To control know. him the way they do. <laughs> the fact that the film is also uh, supposed to be, uh, I think, directed or written by Jared Hess, who did Napoleon Dynamite, like, literally nothing about that sentence sounds appealing to me. Um, I don't, I don't play Minecraft. I have no fascination with it whatsoever. Um, so a live action film, just, I don't give a shit about. It sounds like it. It seems like everyone's just trying to find uh, gaming ip and trying to turn it into either a tv show or a film now more than ever um Mm -hmm. it's it's getting ridiculous um you know you got you got the the dwayne johnson the rock out there talking about how you know it's rumored that he's going to be in a live action call duty movie and then you got uh streets of rage 
live action film was announced <laughs> Streets from of uh, from the right the script is going to be handled by the from the writer of john wick um you know sony's trying to do the all these first party game like they're doing ghost of tsushima which is directed by the john wick director <laughs> they just announced the writer um there's talks of a god of war tv show that i don't know if it got greenlit mm. but it was announced uh you know you got amazon doing mass oh, no. effect and fallout it's it's fucking crazy like all these these gaming properties that are trying to make the uh the switch to film or television and and also i keep seeing everyone talk about how uncharted is like making like buku money especially overseas because <laughs> i i just cannot imagine that film being good at all but all it's gonna do is just uh encourage encourage these studios to be like hey well we can make a shit ton of money even if the movie is like mediocre just because people know these these characters or this ip so it's only gonna it's, i think it's only gonna get worse um it's I, I don't care about any of these things like i don't need my games to be films or whatever um like the the halo tv show i love halo i'm a huge like a halo super fan that tv show looks fucking terrible um i did like a paramount plus i got like a a, a free trial for like a month from uh mm-hmm. my xbox rewards or whatever or being a Game Pass member or some shit. Anyways, I watched like the first episode, and I was... <sighs> Have you guys ever seen that live-action movie Doom with The Rock and Carl Urban from like the early no. ones? It's kind of like that. I did not see it, no. Like they, they do these like oh, no. first-person views where you're like in Master Chief's visor. Oh, gross. And it shows him like, doing first-person like shooting and stuff, and the acting's fucking terrible. And Master Chief never wears his fucking helmet. Like The actor's just walking around with his head out all the time, and if you know anything about Halo... Uh, we're the game's been around for twenty years and no one's seen that dude's face. But apparently, the TV show yeah. like that's all you fucking I mean, see. In the book, oh, no. <laughs> in the book, he like doesn't hide his face though. So yeah, but it's, it's like bad. yeah, but it's it's just so fucking weird. You know what I mean? Like it's just like I don't know. And I get it. It's they're not trying to adapt the games. They're not even really adapting the books. They're doing their own timeline. It's just, uh, it looks cheap. The acting's bad. The writing's terrible. The music's terrible. It's not even like the score. It's like a bastardized version of the Halo music. It's just. <laughs> it looks like the all the fan films they've been making on YouTube for like ten years. Like it just looks like another one of those. So. And it's actually apparently performing really well. So if that's like, the bar for a lot of these gaming, shows and movies, like, count me out not interested um so yeah speaking of streaming services netflix uh just came out and said that they have lost two hundred thousand subscribers in the last quarter uh their first reported loss in over a decade um they also said they're projected to lose roughly two million more by the end of next quarter um their stock price fucking dropped harsh uh, at the end of closing on Friday or the Friday before. I can't remember exactly. So they're in some uh, some come to Jesus right now uh, internally on what they want to do. Um, 
there's been reports out there they're considering um, kind of stopping down on the password sharing. Um, it's it's it was reported that roughly 33% of Netflix accounts share passwords with multiple households. Um, so that's a, a fairly decent amount of your uh, subscriber base that's potentially sharing passwords, you know, to two, three, four, or five other households. Um, they've also talked about instituting a low cost uh, tier that would have ads. Um, and they also came out uh, Friday, Thursday or Friday and said that they are um, halting and canceling any further pr- uh, productions on anything animated. So... First off, uh, do you do you guys have Netflix subscriptions, or do you have, like, are you sharing like you have someone else's subscription? You know what I mean. <laughs> no, we we have our own, and we've had our own for yeah, bajillion years. I have an Apple. Yeah, I have a subscription. All right, so my where would you guys put Netflix on like a on like a ranking of like the major streaming services like is it like top tier for you guys like i gotta have this service is it kind of has it been could you do without it like where are you guys at as subscribers uh i mean between netflix and hulu like we're pretty 50 50 yeah yeah chelsea what about you yeah it's kind of it's kind of near the top for me but it really depends like i kind of go through waves of you know, watching stuff on one streaming service, then moving to the next one. But mm-hmm. it is one I would still prefer to keep mm-hmm. for a while. What's the uh, main draw for either of you guys for Netflix? Is it their original content? Is it just the 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 huge catalog of of stuff that's you know from from third parties? Uh, is it the the binge model? They're you know they're one of the only main streaming services that will drop when their shows come out it's you know all at once um you know what do you guys what do you guys actually like about netflix i mean Um, i do like the binge model but there i mean there are definitely some gems on netflix that's their original content whether it be their films not quite as much for me but they definitely have some good tv shows at times especially if they haven't canceled them and I get to watch the complete one. That's great. (laughs) (laughs) And then also every once in a while, you know, like they'll have a movie that I've been wanting to watch for a while, like, and it's only available on their service. Then I'll check Mm -hmm. it out. Yeah. Wait, is that about the same for you? Just kind of. Um, yeah, like, yeah, this just, uh, it's just got shows that I like to like watch and rewatch and stuff. Yeah. Um, yeah. I don't really like, you ever go click on anything random really that much you don't do the uh surprise me or whatever it is now where it's just like a <laughs> absolutely <laughs> start, not start some random, not. you know thing for me Mm-mm. yeah i've never once Mm-mm. i've never once uh clicked on that i would be afraid of what would actually just randomly play um mm-hmm. no thank you <laughs> um so we have netflix we have netflix in this house and i would say 90 percent of the stuff we watch is in the kids for uh, my son, you know, he watches shit like Coco Melon and the Wiggles and mm. you know, and all that stuff. Um, I don't, I don't think there's anything 
that Netflix has that's original to them that for me is a like I must have this service so I can you know they don't have like that killer show that I have to like continue to watch you know what I mean like I have to have this service to watch this particular show now I do like the fact that they'll just randomly dump like 30 movies and I'm like oh wow I wanted it came out a couple years ago I didn't get to see it in theaters now I get to watch Mm -hmm. it like that's kind of what I like about uh Netflix is just like you know I won't watch it for a couple months and then I'll turn it on and i'm like holy shit there's like a bunch of stuff on here that i (laughs) but it always turns into like i just throw it on my watch list and then it just sits there like i never actually watch any of it (laughs) i do that sometimes um that's fair uh i i for one especially where i'm at now in my life i don't i don't binge watch anything no i just don't have the time for it um and i also think that the binge model hurts them in a, in a way because i think for me personally i think when a show if you're you got like a killer show like i think disney plus does a really good job with their content release um you know with their marvel shows and their star wars shows and a lot of their like big like productions they put a lot of marketing into them they make them like these like events you know like this is coming like ne- it's gonna drop next week and then you get the first episode everyone watches it everyone talks about it on social media all week in anticipation for the next episode. And then, you you know, you create this, this, uh, this bubble of everyone who's kind of enjoying it at the same time and talking about it. It kind of creates this like, uh, micro zeitgeist for these shows, the binge model, you will have these people that will, you know, the show will drop and they'll watch that whole shit that night. And then you have someone else who watches one episode and it's not really conducive for conversation because all the fans are at different points and watching it. You know what I mean? And it kind of makes the, it, it creates these, these different lanes for people to talk about these shows. And I think if they kind of got rid of the binge model and, you know, did something with like one of their big tentpole releases, like stranger things or Bridgerton or the crown or whatever, and just did episode at a time, it keeps the conversation going longer and it keeps that show relevance longer. You know what I mean? Um, if that show is relevant for six, eight, ten weeks because everyone's waiting for that next episode, you're also keeping those subscribers longer. If you do the binge model, I can subscribe to Netflix for that month, binge the show, and then duck out and then not come back until the new season. You know what I mean? And I think that's part of the reason why none of the other major services do the binge model because they like the idea of keeping people coming back and keeping that conversation going for as long as they can, mm-hmm. um, if that makes sense. Well, um, this this could help too. Like this could have something to do with it. Um, Netflix doesn't have as much competition as you think they do. There are tons of other streamings, you know, whatevers, but a vast majority of them are only in America. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, like, most other countries have Netflix, and that's it. Um, now, the, now, everything that you find on every single other streaming thing is on their version of Netflix. Yeah. Like, Netflix is, like, the one stop for literally everything in most other countries, um and so not not to say that america doesn't like isn't like a percentage of you know netflix's viewership but 
you know. Um, but I, I do agree with what you're saying about the binge kind of thing. But they could they could see it as like, well, people yeah, I mean, have, still have to get us anyway. So even even in terms of like revenue, like no mm-hmm. one's even close to Netflix. But the fact that everyone else is seeing growth and Netflix is the only one that's not, that's a red flag. <laughs> like that's an issue. <laughs> also, because I mean? they keep canceling all their goddamn shows. And see, that's that's the other thing that I that I think Netflix has an issue with is. On one hand, it's great that they pretty much will greenlight anything because it it keeps a lot of these writers and, and, and people, you know, keeps the lights on for them and gives them a chance to, sh- you know, share their vision for whatever. But then Netflix also has these expectations for all this stuff, and it's pretty much just like a, a blanket across the table, you know. And if a show doesn't hit that within the first couple weeks of a release, it's canceled regardless of critical appeal or fans or ratings or or whatever you know they could do like a netflix original film that is up for like 10 oscars but it only saw like viewership in like five million households like that's not that's not a win for them you know they don't care about the the accolades like they want as many eyes on something as possible and i think they are oversaturating their own service because they're just constantly greenlighting too much shit and nothing really feels special you know all these other services like your your apple and hbo and disney since they don't have the big catalog when they do have a new show it's like a big deal you know and they put a lot of marketing into that and everyone watches it and talks about it and then you know they wait for the next big thing with netflix it's just like a since it is also a global um service it's just scattershot shit just flying on there with no no acknowledgement you know what i mean and then like you'll see something like oh cool i'll check this and then you find out it was canceled (laughs) you know what i mean like it's just sometimes uh i think netflix's biggest problem is they're more worried about quantity over uh, quality and i think that that's like a core issue for them guys have anything else to add to them i don't know i just i mean but it does work sometimes for netflix because they do have their like if they're those mini series or something like that like even though they you know release it all at once and a lot of people binge watch it it can still be talked about for weeks and months on end like look at tiger king people talked about that forever yeah and just like even stuff that's recently happened and it's like yeah there is buzz behind it's just it's different because it's not like they really heavily advertise a lot of those things before i get that and it's after my my thing with stuff like that is those are like the exceptions and not the rule you know what i mean like netflix's big core design is they're playing like probabilities let's put out a hundred shows and hope 10 of them hit (laughs) you know what i mean like instead of just putting out ten really good shows, let's just we'll just have as much shit on here as possible, and hopefully one of these things will will work. And I don't like that method, and I don't think it it works. I I, I would rather you take two, three, four years and like really make it an awesome show, and maybe only release 
a couple movies or a couple shows a year and they're all stellar as opposed to just like you know vomiting a bunch of nonsense and then one of them are is a diamond in the rough like i don't know i'll be curious to see what they're doing now i don't think is going to help i don't think uh, canceling all your animated shit like I think they see it as like, oh, well, animation costs way more than all this other stuff. It takes longer. Let's just put it on the burn, like the, let's put it on the side right now and halt and, and kind of readdress it. But it almost feels like, like a punishment. Yeah. I, I, like I don't way, agree with that. You know, um, I don't think that's a, 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 <laughs> a healthy way to handle this issue. Um, cracking down on password sharing. It's- they were talking about how like they weren't going to stop it, but they were going to charge more for people who do it kind of thing. Like it would be like a more expensive tier if you share your password to something or something like that. I'll be curious to see what they actually do with that because they have tried uh, eliminating password sharing in other countries. Um, but they haven't really, no one's really talked about like if it's changed uh, subscriber counts or, you know, positive or negative. So so yeah i'm curious to see what oh. happens with with uh with netflix you're gonna what you got yeah. something you're gonna say something yeah i was just gonna add because it's interesting that you know right around the time that they announced that they were going to shut down a lot of their stuff with animations they also did announce new shows and stuff and and like new movies and but like one of the movies that they announced it was one made by another studio that they were just going to choose uh, Netflix as a platform to release it so I mean therefore they didn't really have anybody working on the animation but it's interesting to also say oh we're doing this brand new show yeah like one of the new shows that they announced was the exploding kittens which is based off the card game and they were going to make a mobile game or something to go along with it yeah I'm also so, curious if it's one of these things where it's like hey we're not going to green light any new projects but anything that's already mm-hmm. in production will let you finish because yeah I mean they've yeah. you know they have already come out and said that they're doing a season two for the cuphead show. And they've, they announced that volume three of love, death and robots is coming out. I want to say this year or early next. So there's definitely still Mm -hmm. animated stuff coming. I think it's more just like, Hey, we're not making, we're not starting anything new. Um, yeah. So like I said, we'll, eh, we'll see what happens with all that stuff. Um, (laughs) um, uh, the, Kind of another service, uh, the Funimation Crunchyroll merger. I guess we could have talked about that when we were talking about other acquisitions. That's kind of like a big deal for uh, any like anime fans. Um, those two kind mm-hmm. of just... It's still going to be the Crunchyroll banner. And uh, so, yeah, basically any you know shows that were under licensed under Funimation are now going to be under Crunchyroll. So if you have a Crunchyroll subscription, you basically just get a bunch like a whole new <laughs> drop of, uh, of great mm-hmm. content. So that's cool if you have that. Um, I don't have it. Um, I don't watch enough anime to justify it, but it's it's something I enjoy watching. It's just I don't watch enough of it. So, <laughs> um, there's a couple more uh, things that I wanted to talk about that is kind of back into uh, gaming. We didn't really we didn't touch on just kind of some quick some quick headlines here. Uh, E3 this year is uh, canceled. Mm-hmm. Uh, bye the bye ESA, E3. The ESA announced that they are no, yeah. they are not doing. You know, they haven't done a uh, in person show uh, in, I guess, two years. And then now they said they're not even doing a digital show. 
they said that they do have plans to return in 2023, um, but I am skeptical. Um, most of what E3 was was them selling booth space to these big uh, companies like your PlayStations and your Xboxes and Square and Nintendo and stuff like that. And since none of those guys even do E3 uh, anymore and no one does booth space anymore and hasn't for years, uh, it's it's I don't really see a future for E3, even as a digital event, mm-hmm. because all these companies can just do their own directs or state of plays or, or mm-hmm. what have you. So I honestly think E3, E3 is dead for good, um, which is kind of weird. It's kind of a an end of an era. I always, as a gamer, I always looked forward to E3. It's kind of like it's it was gaming Christmas. Um, <laughs> You know, basically just like a week-long event of all these new announcements and demos and, and all this other stuff, and it was really cool. But it hasn't really been the same for a few for a few years now. And, uh, you know, there's still going to be events. You know, these big companies are still going to do these, like, uh, digital streams. And you got Jeff Keighley's uh, Summer Games Fest, which, I'm you know, see what happens with that. So there's still going to be, you know, announcements. It's just not all going to be condensed into one uh avenue anymore so um stick with gaming breath of the wild 2 was delayed to 2023 which shocker i thought it was already coming out in 2023 so when they announced the delay i was like oh okay like, <laughs> <all right. laughs> yeah sure whatever um uh they did a uh state of play focusing on uh hogwarts legacy yeah they did um yeah. it was a pretty beefy uh extended look it was like basically almost like 15 minutes of uh gameplay and kind of just talking about the uh core concepts in the game the mechanics what you're going to be doing kind of the look a little bit of the story um it's supposed to come they announced it's supposed to come out holiday this year which that's basically a window of you know late october to the end of december so we'll kind of see where that lands yeah um since it's a Warner Brothers uh, production and Warner Brothers already has a Gotham Knights coming out, I want to say in October, I bet they'd want to mm-hmm. stagger uh, the other uh, release for fiscal reasons. So you might see Hogwarts Legacy end of November, early December uh, is my is my bet. Um, you guys both watched the state of play. What was your uh, what was your uh, takeaway from it? Are you guys, you, I don't know, I'm sure Chelsea's over the moon excited. Um, yeah. did, did anything stand out to you guys? Uh... Oh, you know, it just looks great. You know, day one for me. It just looked like there was so much in the game already. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'll agree with that. It does look like uh, it was more expansive than uh, what I would have thought. I really like the look of it. I think it has a really nice style. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought it was a lot prettier than I was also expecting. So it's a TBD for me. Um, I'm not a huge, like, uh, Harry Potter nut, so I'll kind of just wait and maybe, like, a deep sale or if it comes to one of these streaming platforms in a year or two, <laughs> I'll check it out. But <laughs> I hope it's good. Um, it's a it's the first major release for, uh, for, the, for, like, port keys, like, Harry Potter Wizarding World kind of banner. So... I hope it's a success so they can continue on making uh, games in this universe. 
Um, cause I would suspect that if it flops, that would probably be the end of uh, port key outside of mobile space. So, so yeah, um, there was announcement that Lucasfilm games and Skydance new media are doing a star Wars game that is headed by Amy Henning. Um, which is interesting to me because Amy Henning was also doing a star Wars game for, EA years ago they got canned it was codenamed Ragtag um, so now she gets her a second shot to do a Star Wars game um, Skydance is also yeah. you know the same company and Amy Henning is also doing that the, the Marvel game so she's going to have her hands full with two huge <laughs> uh, properties um, all that's known about the Star Wars game that it's going to be a, you know a cinematic action adventure title um, which makes sense because if you don't know who Amy Henning is, she was basically uh, in charge of the Uncharted series. So um, she also has a film background, so that's kind of what she brings to the table. She's not a she doesn't mm-hmm. come from gaming; she comes from film, so that's why her games have that kind of feel to it. So I'm excited. Um, I love Star Wars. I like uh, you know I I want to see more Star Wars games uh, that are good. <laughs> So, yes. <laughs> yes. Um, Agreed. So yeah, um, the only other story here is kind of a, a dumb one, but I just want to touch on it. Um, there was a lot of discourse uh, after Elden Ring came out, uh, mostly on social media from other developers, kind of criticizing Elden Ring's uh, poor design, bad quest lines, ugly look. You know, you know, yada yada yada. Uh, these developers were also from uh, Guerrilla Games and, and Ubisoft that also just launched big open world games either right before or you know, Fahala came out as a launch for the next generation, and Horizon Forbidden West literally came out like a, a couple weeks before. <laughs> so I kind of feel bad for Guerrilla Games because when they launched Horizon, uh, oh god, what's the what was the first one zero dawn that's right so it came out and then literally like uh a couple weeks later breath of the wild came out so all the conversation shifted away from horizon and everyone was gushing over breath of the wild for the rest of the year and then gorilla launches horizon forbidden west and then like a couple weeks later Elden ring comes out and all that conversation is sucked away and then is put on Elden ring and i can see how these developers get irked by that um i think it was kind of in bad taste for them to come out and criticize, uh, you know, not colleagues, but people in that same space. Uh, it kind of just came across as like, a bad, I guess, what bad sportsmanship, essentially. Like, hey, we just launched a game that we think is better than yours, and I don't understand why yours is getting all the uh, hubbub and the attention and the appeal. To me, they're, com- they're two completely different games besides the fact that they are quote-unquote open world. Um Wade, since you're the the only other one on this uh, podcast that's played Elden Ring, did you have any like, was it just like, oh, this is just social media being itself, <laughs> kind of thing? Or um, that's that's really what I got out of it. Like, yeah. I read both sides. I read like the three developers who were being salty, and then the thousands and thousands of Elden Ring people that were being their mostly awful selves, and I was like. <laughs> You, you guys are made for each other. Good job. 
It's <laughs> <laughs> like, it's fine. Yeah. Like, developers, shut up. Like, they made yeah. the game the way they wanted it. Sorry you yeah. didn't like it. Elden Ring players, go play Elden Ring and leave everybody else alone. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, for me, it's for me it was in bad taste because usually in the uh, in the gaming developer community, usually it's very uh, it's a very supportive one. People always come out right, and say, "Hey, yeah. congrats on the big yeah. launch. Uh, we love your mm -hmm. game." Da 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 da. You see a lot of more positivity in that community, and then it's the fans that have all this stupid outrage and and you know these dumb rhetoric and battles and whatnot. So to see developers come out and kind of start it. Is just kind of like ugh. it kind of it just makes you look bad. You know what I mean? It just it just paints a negative light on you, and you're representing a studio that's just gonna get all this heat for no fucking reason. So that was kind of my take over it. Um, but yeah, to me, the, they're not comparable games. So I don't know why they even got upset in the first place. So it's it's just <laughs> don't get in your feelings. You know. <laughs> Um, but yeah, I think that's, there's a couple other, uh, stories here we can talk about, but they're not really, you know, Elon Musk trying to buy Twitter. Uh, we'll see what that, we'll see what happens with that. Um, but yeah, I don't know. What do you guys think? I think we've pretty much covered all the, the big items from January yeah. on. So, mm -hmm. Yeah, definitely a lot of highlights. Yeah, there's definitely you no know, plenty of things we missed. Lots of news, jam-packed episode. Yeah. I think yeah. it's a. I think that'll probably do it for this week's episode, of our podcast. Thanks uh, for everybody for listening to this week's episode. Be sure to like and subscribe wherever you listen to this podcast, and leave us a review. Preferably, you know that'd be cool if it was five stars. Also, share this podcast with a friend. That'd be cool too. And if you want, you can also follow us on social media. We're on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at poddemastered. And you can feel free to send us an email anytime at demasteredpodcast at gmail.com. Thanks again for listening to this week's episode, and we hope you tune in next week. See ya. See you guys.